You're listening to Fundraising Radio, a podcast about fundraising for early stage startups. The major rule that we follow here is no bullshit on this podcast. No music to relax you, no advertisements of our sponsors. We only talk about fundraising here and nothing else. So let's jump into the episode. And today's guest speaker, we have Wade Fletcher, founder at Score2 Media that was acquired in 2020. And currently, he's the founder at Undercover VC. In this episode, we'll talk about how Wade got to an acquisition of Score2 Media, how he acquired his first customers, and what's going on in Undercover VC. What does it do? And how is it unique? So, Wade, let's kick off by you giving us some background on yourself and on Undercover VC. Sure. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm Wade Fletcher. I'm from Columbia, South Carolina. I'm 19 years old and I go to Indiana University. Um, when I was a junior in high school, I started Score2 Media um, to, to bring a, a collegiate or professional level media presence to uh, the private schools in the area with, with big athletics budgets. Um, I went to a, a fantastic public school with a really great media arts program. Um, so we had a ton of students that were, were really well-trained in uh, photography, videography, editing, social media, writing, et cetera. Um, and, and we were producing awesome content for our school. And I realized, wait a minute, we have this pool of talent and I'm sure other schools would, would love to have a similar presence that we have. I can package that up and sell it to them. Uh, and that's, that's exactly what I did. Um, that's score to media. I, I know we'll touch on that again later. Undercover VC is a, a more recent endeavor. Um, I have known for, for a long time. Um, that venture capital is, is where I want to be for my career. Um, but as, you know, as a student at, at a non-target school at Indiana, there aren't a lot of opportunities for students, both to be on the receiving end of venture capital, students with startups to receive investment, but also for students that are interested in working in venture capital like myself to, to kind of get plugged in and break into that industry. Um, Simultaneously, there are a lot of funds around the country that want to make early stage investments in students, but might not necessarily have the, the operating budget to establish a scout network on a lot of campuses or, or to be on a lot of campuses. Um, so that deal flow just isn't necessarily there. Um, Undercover VC sits at, at the middle of, of these kind of two groups of, of students and investors. We take those students that want to make investments, use them to find students that want to receive investment, and then connect them with those investors that, that want to make investments um, such that, that we can kind of break the paradigm of, of the, the VC schools and the, the non-VC schools that, that currently exist in American colleges and universities. Nice. First of all, I think it's literally the first time in my career that I am interviewing someone younger than me. So congrats. <laughs> and uh, yeah, let's start with the score two media. First of all, Let's talk about the first customer acquisition. I mean, you were working with schools as a student of a high school. It sounds like not a really easy deal to tackle. So how do you approach that? How do you approach other schools? Did you actually reach out to their offices or did you like find some other way through students or how did you do? Sure. Yeah. So um, the the first thing I did, just the very first thing um, I emailed every athletics director um, at, at another high school within driving distance um, with like my, my two paragraph pitch of, hi, this is, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is what I do for you. This is really honestly before it was even, even, even score two. Um, and my, my pitch then was not for the, the broad focus athletic um, media that we ended up doing, but 
my high school hosts uh, a big basketball tournament um, every every December right around Christmas that is is kind of one of known for being one of the places that the NBAs or, or the the high school up and comers that that you're going to see in the NBA will uh, will play. Um, so in the you know we had I've got a picture of of me and um, oh shoot what's his name I'm revealing my my limits of basketball knowledge here. Um, I have zero but, basketball. So yeah. Yeah. So, you know, Steph Curry played there not too long ago. Um, and I can't remember this dude's name. He plays for the Pelicans. He's from South Carolina. I, Zion Williamson. I've got a picture of me and Zion Williamson um, when, when we were juniors in high school, um, which, you know, obviously he's a, a, an NBA star now, which is pretty cool. But um, my initial pitch was we're already here. We're already at this school. We know how to shoot in this environment. Let us accompany your team. Um, you know, where regardless of where you're traveling from, let us meet you at the airport in, in South Carolina and produce content for you for this, this week long basketball tournament. Um, no, nobody took me up on that. Um, but I did get one response from one of those local athletics directors, um, at a, a local Catholic school that was like, yeah, I mean, I'd love to, to hear what you have to say. Come by my office an afternoon this week and, and pitch to me. Um, and I put together my, my deck and showed up and, and pitched to him and his assistant and they were like, cool, we're sold. How much? Um, and it, it really was that easy. I mean, it was, it was one of those things where <laughs> I was, I was not creating a new product. Um, you know, a- athletic media is, is done and there are good models and, you know, everybody's seen the, the amazing content that professional teams put out. But in my area, that hadn't been something that was in the market at all. That wasn't something possible for a school like that. Um, so it was, it was a pretty easy sell. Um, we, we got in that first year, we got a contract to do their football season. Um, and then that quickly led into to basketball for them as well. Um, we, we traveled with the team, we rode on the bus, um, and, and, you know, and, and we're at all their games with all the other schools in their conference. We met people that way. People asked, you know, who are these kids running around? Why does it, why do you have a whole, a whole media operation traveling with your team? Um, and that's that's kind of how how other schools found us and were were ready to 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 come on board. Nice, that's that's really interesting. Uh, true organic growth here. So let's talk about the fundraising since you know it's fundraising radio. It makes sense to touch onto that real quick. So, do you raise any money for Score Two Media, or it was just purely organic, purely based off your revenue? Purely organic, purely based off revenue. Um, I, I was fortunate in that costs were, were super low, um, being that I was, was hiring my, my high school classmates um, who, who, you know, <laughs> I, I love them, but they're, they're not particularly, you know, high skilled or trained employees and nobody has a family to, to support. Um, so, so labor was cheap. Um, a lot of us already had camera equipment that, that they were willing to contribute. What we didn't have, I was able to buy. And then I also had really, really favorable terms with the, because um, that is kind of the, the the limiting factor, right? Is that, um, I mean, the the only two costs I have are salary and equipment because our transportation, we, we were traveling with the teams we were working with. Um, so again, wages, high school students were the employees, so that was low. And then equipment, um, because we had favorable terms with the teams that, that we were generally receiving half or close to half of the, the total contract value before the season started, um, 
we were able to to use that to to get whatever equipment we needed. Nice. That does sound like favorable terms, though. Nice, nice work there. So let's talk about the exit now. How did that happen? How how was it possible to happen? Yeah. So um, I, you know, like I said, I had this kind of small army of my my high school classmates working with me. Um, when I was was finding those people, I intentionally, you know, looked deeper down into even kids that are you know, 15, 16 years old, um, such that they were, were with it for a couple of years and everybody wasn't going to be heading out at once, um, once, once college came around. And I tried last year to, to coordinate everything and run everything remotely. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm at school in Indiana now, 400 miles from South Carolina. There was was no chance of me being there for anything except for you know a couple of basketball games over over what was my winter break, um, and it just it just wasn't sustainable in the in the slightest for me to try to run that remotely with coordinating coordinating the you know the substitutions when when people needed out and just getting everything lined up didn't really work. Um, so one of my uh, one one of my better employees that had basically been managing an account by himself um for for a year or so uh i i pitched to him listen you know i i can't run this anymore i trust you to do it um can can we figure out a way for you to buy me out um and and that's what he did nice that's a neat buyout so let's talk about more current situations so let's talk about undercover vc i personally love the idea itself uh, I love Scouts Network and everything that's accelerating that process of, you know, sourcing deals for uh, investment firms. So tell us a little bit more about Undercover VC. Sure. Yeah. So I, I opened with this a little bit and I don't want to, to reiterate myself too much, but the big picture is when you look at the landscape of student entrepreneurship in the U.S., um, there's a, an incredible un imbalance between about four to five schools that are the, the quote unquote VC schools, and then the rest of us. Um, and this is kind of the, the, the Steve Case philosophy a little bit, but um, I think, you know, while opportunity is nowhere close to distributed evenly at the moment, I think talent much more so is. Um, and even if you make assumptions like, okay, well, you're Indiana students, you know, you're gonna have half as many solid founders per, per student enrolled at, Indiana or somewhere, even a quarter as many than, than MIT or somewhere, just on a numbers basis, you're still going to have more awesome entrepreneurs at, at schools that aren't Harvard, Stanford, you know, Berkeley. Um, and, and I think those entrepreneurs very often go overlooked by, by investors, not because of any, any actual malice um, or, or, you know, inherent prestige feelings, but just the reality that when you look at the numbers, oh, there are you know, there there are 10 awesome startups that have come out of Berkeley in the last five years. There's one from Indiana. Where am I going to focus my time? Well, obviously Berkeley, right? Then, right. then when when students go to the, you know, to, to students want to be a student entrepreneur, all the resources are there at Berkeley because, you know, everybody's looking there because they've already put out and they will continue to. And there's kind of this chicken and an egg problem where schools don't get resources and don't have founders and then don't have founders um, leading, leading to them not getting resources. Um, and so our, our goal is to kind of be that, that infusion of resources and, and of access into those schools such that we can, can not necessarily break that cycle, but allow it to, to occur on, on more campuses 
um, and to, to allow it all to happen more more equitably. It's kind of a kind of a pun, kind of a double entendre. Um, we like to say we're bringing equity to, to student entrepreneurship um, because our, our goal really is not to not to make a profit for ourselves. We're not taking an equity stake in it. Um, we're not asking for a, for a kickback or anything. Um, our, our goal is purely to to create this meaningful change on campuses around the U.S. Nice. So we'll get back to the business model of undercover just a little bit later. For now, I was curious about the um, the work of the scout network in general. So first question is, how do you find new scouts? What's their major motivation for them? Yeah. So well, first, I want to you're not you're not wrong in calling it a scout network um, because that is the role we serve for investors. Um, but I think for students, what we can offer is a lot more than than the scout networks that are out there. Um, we're we're kind of marrying the best of the best of something like like dorm room funds, um, where you have a really intensive investment experience where you're analyzing startups and making investments, and something like the the Sequoia Scout Network or Open Scout, where you're doing more of a traditional scouting role. Um, in that, we we call it a fellowship program, um, and and you know our our, our fellowship cohorts rather than a, a scout cohort, because we're offering. In the kind of in in exchange for your 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 you know your your scouting, um, you're identifying these founders and, and entrepreneurs. We're offering these um, we're offering an access to the industry that isn't isn't really present at your school most of the time. Um, in the form of you know obviously everything's virtual now, but in the form of events um, of, of AMAs of, of networking opportunities with VCs and our partner network. Um, that that a student at an Indiana or or an Arkansas or a Clemson might might not otherwise have. Right. So it's similar to venture university, but you don't have to pay like twenty thousand per cohort. So that's I love precisely. It. <laughs> that's perfect. Uh, by the way, uh, disclosure: not the biggest fan of venture university, so might be a little bit biased there. Uh, but we'll talk a little bit more about you know what happens with the company once a scout discovers it. So let's say I'm a scout here in Los Angeles at uh, University of Southern California. I find an interesting startup. What happens next? Sure, yeah. So we're, we're putting, um, putting our fellows through uh, a pretty intensive and, and I don't want to say rigorous, but, but maybe as comprehensive as, as we can reasonably do training program um, with VCs, teaching them how to identify a startup and then do kind of some, some fundamental analysis of it to say, is, is this something that, that has legs at all? Um, is, it, is it worth going any further than a first meeting? Um, so that's, that's kind of the first step, right? Is they identify a startup on their campus, they find you know, somebody in the, in the entrepreneurship center directory or, or you know, through a club or, or however they might find them. They identify an entrepreneur. Um, that first step is going to be: is this worth looking at at all? If it is, um, we we want to have it in our our database. Um, that we you know we've got some some pretty good systems put together um, to to keep things in the system and to to track that data. Um, once it's up there, we're going to have a conversation with them where they're going to kind of pitch on behalf of the founder to the group of you know this is what they do. This is this is why. I liked them and thought they should should move forward. Um, we're going to take a look at that, and then we're going to try to knowing 
you know, our, our, our growing partner network um, and knowing their investment theses, their interests um, and the stage they invest at, try to make intelligent connections with, with three to five um, venture capitalists in our network. And obviously we'd, we'd love that number to grow, but that's about where it is right now. Venture capitalists in our network that are making the kind of investments that that, that founder would be looking for. Um, in the long term, um, once we've, we've kind of gone through this process some more and have some more volume there and more data to work with, we'd like to kind of start intelligently matching or intelligently preparing founders for specific investors. Um, so once we understand, okay, this is what, what this fund looks for, this is what this partner you know, loves to see in a startup, um, how can we kind of strategically help you pitch and, and even you know, kind of consult with your company on the, 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 the changes you can make and the ways you can, can best go around fund, go about fundraising um, as a, a student entrepreneur. I do want to, to clarify that we are pretty, pretty exclusively focused on student entrepreneurs. Um, the exception to that is, you know, if, if we meet somebody in their senior year and then they graduate, um, that's, you know, that's kind of the one exception. But mm -hmm. like I said, our, our primary goal is to, to create change on campuses. Um, and, and we're really hyper-focused on that. Nice. That's really cool. So one follow-up question on what you just told us is, uh, how, what are the major factors that basically that your scouts are looking at while trying to figure out if that startup is actually viable, if it's going to you know, last? Yeah. So at the super early stage, um, you know, very often, 90% of the time, student startups are, are either totally pre-revenue or kind of pre-real revenue, mm -hmm. um, which is, you know, it's kind of a, kind of a, a, a fuzzy thing to say, but, you know, when you're, 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 yeah, pre, pre-real revenue. Um, <laughs> so the, the, the big thing we're looking for most of the time is, is solely team. Um, obviously there, there's some credence to, to, you know, so, so, some, consideration of, of product and, and market. Um, Cause obviously if those aren't there, you have nothing, but our big focus is, is on the team. Um, are these students we believe in? Are these students, um, you know, that, that have their priorities in the right order to be uh, a successful founder, right? Cause uh, in, in many cases, your, your successful student founder is not your 4.0 student, um, you know, and there's other things that are kind of unique to student entrepreneurship, like what does this person's class load look like there are even, even you know weird nuances of, of student entrepreneurship um that that you really have to consider to make sure is this person in it for the long haul um is this something they reasonably want to do as a career or is this like a like a little resume booster side project that they're working on um and and just really identifying who is this person what are their motivations what are their qualifications um what can they do um one situation where it's a little different, I guess, is in more tech transfery kind of uh, kind of startups where a researcher might have discovered something on a campus that they want to move forward with um, commercially. Mm -hmm. I know of one startup in our network now that's working on. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not a like a material science major or an electrical engineer, so I can't I can't say I understand it too thoroughly. But they're working on some sort of of high capacity battery for um for defense applications and i the, the first question the thing i wanted to know from them was is this patented and what claim does the university have to it um just because you know w without knowing those two things 
the the value of that company was very much in the intellectual property that the, the team was great um but if they didn't have that that ip lockdown there wasn't anywhere to go with that um and so that that's kind of one other thing that came to mind that, that we've looked at recently but you know like like any early stage investment it's that that product market team um, but we put a really heavy emphasis on the team nice good luck with that one department of defense is not an easy client um so let's talk about uh the unique value proposition basically of undercover vc i recently spoke i believe i had an interview with that person but not 100 percent sure uh but anyways i spoke to the founder of open scout vc uh how are you different from them basically they have a really similar model where there are just a lot of scouts across all the uh, campuses in the United States. And basically, it's it's really similar. Are there any specific differences between you and Open Scouts? Yeah, so actually, I had a conversation with, with him not too long ago um, on, on this exact topic. Um, and the, the two differences, first, um, they're on a different subset of campuses. Um, they don't don't disagree with our philosophy that there's talent being missed at other campuses, but they also do have the <laughs> the immediate value concern that we need to be on the campuses where stuff is happening. Um, and so they do have uh, a much stronger focus towards the Ivy Leagues um, and, and those kind of Stanford, Berkeley, Ivy adjacent startup campuses. Um, that's, you know, we're, we're not opposed to those campuses, but that's not our goal, right? And that leads me into, into the second point, which is we have different goals. Um, they're creating some really awesome technology for founders raising money. Um, and I'm not, not entirely sure what their long-term goals are. Um, and I, I can't speak to that. I'm sure, uh, your, your interview with him will be a, a valuable list, valuable listen there. Um, my understanding from our discussion though, was they've created some really awesome technology. They're using their scout network to get their technology in front of founders, um, which you know, obviously is a different goal from our, our desire to create change on, on campuses and in student access to VC. Um, and for that reason, I feel like we probably have extremely different philosophies in what we look for in, in you know, a scout for them, what we call a fellow. Um, and, and I think kind of our, our motivations are not aligned while our, our practice might be a little bit. Mm -hmm. Got it. That's fair enough. By the way, speaking about their tech, I think they've recently released updates on uh, one pager vc i believe that's that's the uh, website but basically it's like docusign no not docusign docsend oh gosh basically it's just a thing for your presentation that's easy to share with investors i'll make sure to include the link in the description of the episode uh but one more thing i wanted to ask you is about the uh, startups themselves on those campuses, they're not very active in terms of startups. So in your personal experience, where do most of those startups are being discovered? Is it in the classrooms? Is it on webinars uh, that, you know, those universities host? Or where, where, where do you usually find those, you know, early stage startup founders? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so it varies extensively campus to campus. Um, the, the first thing we're about to have our uh, fellows do um, come, come here very shortly is create a, a campus entrepreneurship map um, of these are the, these are the entrepreneurship related clubs where we think we can find student entrepreneurs on our campus. These are the, excuse me, the, these are the um, 
university provided entrepreneurship resources, right? Do we have a campus incubator? Do we have a campus fund? Many campuses do. Um, even even campuses that aren't, you know, Berkeley obviously has the house fund. That's like a like a huge thing. Stanford's got something that I don't know the name of. Um, <laughs> some universities have big university organized funds. Um, many smaller universities, or not necessarily small, many uh, less traditionally startup-y uh, campuses have student venture funds too. I know Villanova makes seed investments in students. Um, IU, there are some opportunities for that here that they're, they're pretty limited. Um, and looking through those networks um, is another great way. And I think um, the last thing is just very often on these campuses, there aren't, there isn't a huge VC presence. Mm -hmm. um, and so very quickly in, in starting this, I've become known as the, the VC kid kind of, I mean, nobody calls me that, but like, you know, <laughs> amongst, amongst my peers, what I am known for, for being interested in it. Some kids are known because, oh, he made, you know, X app that's really cool or so-and-so makes, makes games with hundreds of thousands of users. Um, I'm known for, for being interested in VC and for loving to, to talk about this stuff. <laughs> so I get, you know, that, that battery founder I told you about just a second ago, that was somebody that, that reached out to me um, through the, through the, the group me of a club we're both in, um, that, that, you know, he knew I was interested in that and, and he's hoping to raise funding for, for this company. And he reached out to me that way. I think in a lot of situations, um, founders or fellows will find situations like that where, you know, people, people will just come to know them as this is the person to talk to about, about VC. Um, or if you're, you're working on something cool, um, and, and, you know, finding founders has, has not been a problem for us thus far, nor has finding, um, nor has finding investment partners. That's, that's not something we've, we've discussed a lot today, but I have been amazed. I thought it was going to be a much harder sell to find investors that, that want access to these students and that are willing to, to kind of give us some of their time for our, our training programs and, and networking opportunities for students. But it's been super super easy to find um to find investors that are, are willing to to go to work with us um and and that's been really amazing to me likewise um i think it's going to be easy for students to find founders just because on many of these campuses those founders are, are so so starved for for access i mean the you know the the, mm -hmm. the resources don't exist for them we're we're trying to kind of be a one-stop shop to, to create that change for them and their campuses and I think that's that's really valuable and, and leads us to stand out. Absolutely, that's really that's great. So now let's actually talk about the value to investors. What's the major value? I actually never mind. Never mind. I'm not uh, value is obvious here. What's the major problem of working with the university founders or you know student founders? Those are fresh, but you know, those have numerous benefits of working with them, but also numerous downsides. So can you name like three major downsides of working with student founders? Um, I don't know about three, but the, the one thing that comes to mind off the top of my head is that student founders are really hard to get a hold of and hard to find compared to, to other kinds of founders, right? Uh, uh, student founder, regardless of, of how fantastic their tech is, how fantastic their, their business is, um, often it's just not going to know as much about venture capital as someone who mm -hmm. has an MBA or, or even, you know, has been graduated and, and out working for a while. Um, so finding 
students, sometimes students don't even know they would benefit from investment, right? Sometimes they don't know that, you know, now is the time for you to, to take on some investment and really grow um, just because they don't, they don't know about invest or they don't know about VC like that. Um, so the, the big challenge perennially is finding student founders. Um, and I think that's absolutely the, the problem that, that Undercover VC intends to, to address for investors. Um, and um, yeah, and I, I think that's kind of why it's been so, so easy for, for maybe not easy, but easier than expected um, for, for me to, to identify these investment partners and for our partnerships team to, to grow that network. Nice. That's really cool. And great work with that, by the way. I'm not really surprised that investors are willing to spend some time, you know, helping out you and your scouts. That's just that's just awesome. That's why I love Startup World and VC specifically. Uh, so um, now let's go to two last questions of today's episode. First of all, what's your advice specifically to students trying to raise money right now while they're still in the university? And let's pretend that they're raising their pre-seed round, pre-revenue? Sure. Yeah, so I think in every business school, in, in any business school worth its, worth its salt across the country, where you're gonna find these kinds of students, um, you're going to find a professor somewhere that has intimate experience with venture capital that might've you know, been on the investing side um, or, or might've you know, raised money and, and grown a startup and then sold it and is now a professor. I think it'd be really hard to find a school that didn't have at least one professor that had been through <laughs> the full VC process on either side. Um, and I think finding that person is, is super duper important. Um, here at IU, it's a, there are two that come to mind uh, for me and right, I've been here not three semesters. Um, I am not, not a fundraising student founder myself. Um, and I, I still know who these people are. Um, at IU, it's David Haverly and uh jerry hayes um haberly who's sold multiple startups um and yeah and has has collected venture money um for for those and then hayes who's the i'm not sure what his title is it's something something distinguished professor emeritus of entrepreneurship and, and venture capital or something along those lines but he teaches all the vc courses we have here um and has a, a really interesting outlook on vc Anyway, my point is um, find those professors on your campus because I guarantee they exist and, and ask them, you know, could we spend an hour looking at my deck and, and helping me understand what investors are looking for? Because I find a lot of times um, the, the pitch decks I see from students are very much pitching their product to the customer and often not to the investor. Um, and so I would say to be careful that, that you're, you're pitching to your correct audience um, for the correct time. There's obviously in growing a business a time to be to be pitching to your customer, um, but but when raising money, that's that's not necessarily the right time for that. But that's a hard nuance kind of for for students to to figure out and for founders generally to figure out. And I think finding that that professor that on your campus um, is is going to be a big help for you. Hopefully, 18 months from now, um, I'll be able to answer that by saying find the undercover VC scout on your campus. And they'll know how to talk you through um, pitching and, and, you know, we can, we can do our best to help you raise some capital. That's not where we are right now, um, just because we're still kind of in the, in the process of building out our network on both sides. So I'm hesitant to, to make that offer yet, but, um, but, but that's our intention.
Hundred percent. I'll make sure to stay in touch with Wade. By the way, so once that network is built out, which I'm hundred percent sure it will, I'll definitely update all my listeners on that progress. And I'm pretty sure some sure. of my listeners and actually might be good scouts for you. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, and to that to that end, um, if if you're a student that's interested in venture capital um, mm-hmm. at, at an American university or or some Canadian universities, that's kind of a work in progress. I don't know. The extent hmm. to which we're going to pursue that, but um, if you're at an American or Canadian university and you're interested in venture capital, um, please do apply. Uh, we, we'd love to, to meet you and get to know you and figure out where you fit in our program at undercover.vc/apply. Um, likewise, if you're uh, if you're an investor, you're interested in investing in students at the seed and pre-seed stage um, and the occasional Series A, uh, do do look us up at undercover.vc um, and, and shoot me an email. My email is there on the site. Um, we would, would absolutely love to, to, to have you in our network and to, to be able to both have our students learn from you and, and your experience, but also be able to, to really create value for you in the form of, of kind of our scout network in a box. Um, we can, we can give access to campuses across the country, uh, mm-hmm. and, and refer some, some awesome student deals up to you. Perfect. I'll make sure to leave links to the resources you mentioned in the description of this episode. So definitely make sure to check out the description of this episode. So wait, now we're moving on to the last question of the episode, which is a call to action. So what's the one specific thing you want the listener to do as soon as the episode is over? And keep in mind that most of our listeners are actually startup founders, really early stage startup founders. I'm not sure I'm qualified for that one. Um, you don't have to include that in the end. Um, let's see. Um, okay. Yeah. So my, my advice here, here's the, the cut back in, um, my advice to, to startup founders today would just be to, to move at a, at a blistering pace, um, as, as fast as you think you can, can iterate and, and develop your products and try new strategies, um, with your, your marketing and with your product development, um, and, Try them, test them, get the numbers on them, see how they work, adjust them. The faster you can be completing these iterative cycles, um, the the faster, the, the the better position you're going to be in, right? Because regardless of circumstance, if you can react to that circumstance quickly, you're you're probably going to be okay. Um, my my anecdote for that is I built in in quarantine something called Covintern. Um, I built it in from from inception to launch was four days from inception to 100,000 users was 30 days. Um, not, because <laughs> I had a, not because I had a superior product off the bat, not because I was in a, a, you know, a really specific niche, but because I reacted really quickly, right? Someone said, hey, it'd be really useful if we had a status page since all these internships are getting canceled. Status page was up 24 hours later. Um, nice. Stuff like that, being able to move incredibly quickly, responding to customer needs and adjusting your strategy um, will will only help you. Perfect. Yeah, that's a great call to action. Be fast. That's that's all that's required in the startup world. Okay, not everything, but uh, that's that's one of the <laughs> one of the important things you need to do. Uh, my call to action, as usual, is going to be make sure to check the description of this episode. I'll leave a link to both Undercover VC and one pager if you're curious i mean if you want to present yourself to the investors one pager does a pretty good job at that as well and yeah just go there you'll find decent information in there and as usually have a good